Welcome back to the Windows and Mirrors podcast. My name is Keith, and this is a podcast where we're trying to show you uh, that the Bible is more like a window than it is a mirror. We come to it to see through it and see God, not to it to primarily look at it and see ourselves. All right, so it's day 146, man, and we're here in Psalm 90. And so uh, once again, you know, the Psalms were five book, are five books, and this is the beginning of book four. So Psalm 90 is starting uh, book four, and we're... Uh, coming on the home stretch, kinda, <laughs> um, and uh, the Psalms have been so good. And you know, books one through three of the Psalms basically talk about how do we live in the absence of this Messiah and this uh, the absence of this messianic King. But the last two books show us how specifically to live in faith and obedience to Him. Right. So Psalm ninety comes, and it's this very popular wisdom song that is titled as a prayer of Moses. And so most people would think that like, yo, this has to do, uh, you know, with the Israelites who were in the wilderness and they were recalling that event. And it basically contrasts man's mortality, right? And God's immortality, right? So it starts off and says this, Lord, you have been our refuge in every generation (laughs) before the mountains were born, before you gave birth to the earth and the world from eternity to eternity, you are God. So he just comes out the gate and he's like, man, nothing exists without the pre-existent one, right? God, you are from forever to forever, right? Time and space cannot contain you. In fact, you created time and space, right? Ever since forever, you've been you. So he says, yo, however, man, on the other hand, he's like, yo, you return mankind to dust, saying, return descendants of Adam, for in your sight a thousand years (laughs) are like yesterday that passes by, like a few hours of the night. You end their lives, they sleep. They are like grass that grows in the morning. In the morning, it sprouts and grows. By evening, it withers and dries up. So here in these verses, he's like, man's life is frail, right? Man's life is frail. So he invokes this idea that humans are descendants of Adam. And we remember what happened in the garden. And he's like, man, because of Adam's sin, right? Yo, like human beings die, right? They go from dust to dust, right? And verse 10, he furthers this point. And he's like, yo, our lives last 70 years. Or if we're strong, 80 years. And then not only that. Even the best of them are struggle and sorrow. Indeed, they pass quickly and we fly away. So he brings up this idea, not only the frailty of human life, but the brevity, right? Like it's short. Man, it's been said that, you know, the dash on a tombstone in between your birth year and death year represent the swiftness of life. Or as one pastor put it, put it, he said, We have some long days, but man, we have some short years, right? We have long days, but we have short years, right? And it's so crazy that, yeah, like literally, this is over 3,000 years ago. And even today in America, the average life expectancy of a human being is 78 years old. And so the Bible, yeah, once again, is ahead of the game. And Yeah, in light of that, you know what he says? He says this, yo, God, teach us to number our days carefully so that we may develop wisdom in our hearts. You know, usually, man, one usually thinks that the older you get, yeah, the wiser you get, right? 
you know, things that were once out of focus seem to become, you know, come into perspective. Uh, you begin to make time for who and what's most important. You make more careful decisions rather than careless decisions. Why? Because you, yeah, as you get older, you begin to number your days. And you're like, yo, man, the stuff I was worried about when I was young didn't really matter as much. Right. And you want to make your life count and you want to have this good exit strategy for your kids and your kids, kids. But what the psalmist is saying, and it's so good, is that, yo, he's like, God, help us to not wait. Right. Why? Because there's no guarantee that we go that we'll be able to. Right. He said, teach us this now. Help us to live wisely before you now. And I'm here to tell you today that if you begin to reflect on the eternality and the immortality of God. And in light of that, reflect on your mortality. This can be a key for you to unlock the wisdom that we all so desperately need, right? To live wisely in light of who God is and who we are. Psalm 91 comes and man, he's like, yo, famous verse. He's like, yo, the one who lives under the protection of the most high dwells in the shadow of the all Mighty Psalm 91 was a psalm of confidence sang by God's people when up against danger in the various challenges that life threw at them. So they would literally sing this to instill confidence in themselves. Well, that's a word, right? We can sing the psalms to give us. We can. It's like many sermons that we get to preach back to ourselves. So he says, yo, he himself will rescue you from the bird trap, from the destructive plague. He will cover you with his feathers. You will take refuge under his wings. His faithfulness will be a protective shield. You will not fear the terror of the night, the arrow that flies by day, the plague that stalks in darkness or the pestilence that ravages at noon. Though a thousand fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, the pestilence will not reach you. On the surface, it seems right. As if there's this kind of prosperity theology being espoused here where it seems like he's saying, yo, man, if you trust in Yahweh, you trust in the Lord, you won't get sick. You won't have enemies come up against you or problems that happen to everybody else you exempt from. Right. And it's like, nah. Right. Verse eight helps us make sense of what he's actually saying. He says, yo, you will only see it with your eyes. And witness the punishment of the wicked. Now, in other words, what he's saying is this. When we put our faith in Yahweh, the God of the Bible, we can have confidence that we won't have the same fate that the wicked will. Right. And we won't have the same deep internal worries and eternal worries that they have. Right. Because we dwell in the shadow of the almighty. God does protect his people mainly from, you know, the internal and the eternal. So finally, in the end, he says, yo, God. Um, he says, yo, when he calls out to me, I will answer him. This is God speaking. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and give him honor. I will satisfy him with the long life and show him my salvation. Psalm 92. And this is a basically a psalm uh, sung on the Sabbath day of worship. And you just see a person who is delighting in and is in awe of God. Boy, I wish today, my prayer today, man, is that we would be a generation and miss all of the great things our generation has and does for the Lord. I pray that we would be a generation who delights in man and is in awe of God, man. Wow. What a witness that would be. And the psalmist has this to say, you know, um, the more, yeah, the more we reflect on him and the more we scrutinize his works the more joy we have look at what he says for you have made me rejoice lord by what you have done i will shout for joy because of the works of your hands how magnificent are your works lord how profound your thoughts man we are to sing and honor god because of what he's revealed about himself 
right? Like that should get us out of bed each morning, right? That should make our hearts leap. And what he's saying is, man, you know, he talks about proclaiming his faithful love day and night, like all day. And what, what he's saying is, man, we cut ourselves off from joy by filling our minds and our mouths with so many other things, right? And it's tough and it's inconvenient and as awkward as it may be sometimes, you be, I'm telling you, you be surprised what telling someone about Jesus will do for your affections for Jesus. You'd be surprised. And by the end, he says this. The righteous thrive like a palm tree and grow like a cedar tree in Lebanon, planted in the house of the Lord. They thrive in the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit in old age, healthy and green. This fruit imagery, the thriving language and the courts or presence of the Lord take us back to the cosmic garden of Eden, where God was originally dwelling with humanity in a prototypical yet never ending Sabbath day. Ooh, if you go back to the seventh day on and in creation, you see that there's no uh, morning and evening. There's no end to it. Why? Because God was eternally dwelling with man. And that's actually the end game of the Bible and the destiny for you and me. So what the psalmist is saying is this. He says, you can have a taste of that today. You can have a taste of the feast, even if you don't get the full meal, not fully, right? You don't get all of it, but truly, right? And then one day, totally, right? And so the offer, yeah, is in your favor. And the way to this is to proclaim his name. And to meditate and remember his majestic works. Psalm 93 finishes this one off. It says, the Lord reigns. He is robed in majesty. The Lord is robed, enveloped in strength. The world is firmly established. It cannot be shaken. The first words of this psalm are literally Yahweh reigns. And that's, yeah, that's one of the main themes of the book of Psalms. It's that, yo, Yahweh reigns right and this way he speaks of god's reign you know being robed in majesty he's speaking of an established condition right in which a completed action is implied right this is a present reality right regardless of what we see right regardless regardless of what things look like god is reigning god's reign is fixed in heaven above and beyond where anyone could try to ever sabotage it right we just had an uh inauguration of a new president and we should be praying for their administration but what he's saying is this man yo god ain't doing a turn my g <laughs> like he ain't temporary temporarily in office and has to get reelected every year no 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 he's not there temporarily he's there eternally right he's there eternally for us to submit to right and the beauty of the gospel the bible and our faith itself is that this that the God, the psalm describes, is committed to us, right? We're his people, and this is the world he has made, right? And not only is the things he has made firm and reliable creation, but so is his word, right? So is the way he instructs us and tells us about himself. So he says, yo, Lord, your testimonies are completely reliable. Holiness adorns your house. I love the imagery. For all the days to come there's no one or no thing more worthy of our trust and admiration than the firm reliable and ever trustworthy god god was trustworthy before you ever had any problems let's pray father we thank you 
that um, you are eternal, you are immortal, and you don't change. God, help us to remember how trustworthy you are, how good you are, 